Amen. Good to see everybody tonight. Yes. Wednesday night Bible study. I tell you what, I love Sunday mornings, especially having been a worship leader. I, I love Sunday mornings, but I'm just telling you, I love Wednesday nights. Because uh, the Word of God, just, just the teaching of the Word, is it's my favorite. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I want the praise and worship, and I love praise and worship, but the Word of God, man, that is where it's at. Without the Word, we're blind to everything that God is and everything that God has done for us. I mean, it gives us the ability to see into the supernatural realm and understand things about God and about ourselves and about our enemy that we could never know just by experience. And so I just wanted to kind of, you know, I, I just preface this, that, it, that, that we need to be expecting and drawing on the teaching because I don't have anything to give you. <laughs> I'm coming up here uh, depending on the Holy Spirit that he's going to use this vessel because there's nothing special about the person who gives the word. I mean, and, and we've actually, I think we've, the body of Christ has put people, you know, on pedestals. And we, we've, uh, you know, and God has anointed people to do things, but there's nothing special in the person other than the Holy Spirit and the anointing. And without that, you know, we can do nothing. So I want you to believe with me as I get up here tonight. I'm trusting the Lord tonight <laughs> that he's going to help me teach the word in a way that will benefit us and bring liberty and freedom to our lives and help us grow up into Christ so that we can uh, not only be free ourselves, but we can take freedom outside of these walls to to people who are far from God, you know, people who don't have a relationship with God. And we're going to have to, if we really want to see, um, if we really want to see revival, uh, we're going to have to get out of sight of these four walls and go out where hurting people are and take the power of God to people. You know, I heard Andrew Womack say one time, he said, if you want revival, he said, go out raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out devils, you'll have more revival than you can handle. <laughs> We're not waiting on God. He's waiting on us. He's waiting on us to grow up, and he's waiting on us to get a revelation of who we are and what we're called to do and what we're able to do through the Holy Spirit. So turn in your Bible tonight um, to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, and actually, um, I just want to pray. Hallelujah. Father, we just give you praise tonight. Just join in with me. We just give you praise tonight. We're so thankful for your goodness in our lives. We just thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you, Father God, because of your great love that you sent your only son to die in our place so that we could have our sins forgiven and that we could have access, Father God, back into your presence. I thank you, Father God, that you've justified us in your sight, that you cleansed us by the blood of Jesus, that you sanctified us and set us apart as a place for the Holy Spirit to dwell. And we just thank you for that, Father God. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much. 
We honor you, Holy Spirit. We thank you so much for your ministry to us. Holy Spirit, I'm so thankful that Jesus said that it would be better for us to our advantage that he go so that you could come. We value your ministry. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have come to dwell in us forever, to lead and guide us into all truth, to take the things that are Christ and declare them to us. We just give you praise, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So in Matthew chapter 12, uh, we read this scripture last week. It talks about when an unclean spirit goes out of a man. And, you know, I just was thinking about how that um, in our modern world, so many things that are actually directly uh, caused by demonic activity have just been explained away as natural or psychological issues. But that is not the way that Jesus saw them. In fact, in modern medicine, in Western medicine especially, we don't, um, Western medicine doesn't seek to heal people. It manages disease. And the reason why is because they don't know where sickness and disease comes from. Did you know that they can test down to the nuclear level of a cell? yet they don't know the root cause of sickness and disease. You know why? Because it's not physical and it's not psychological. It's spiritual. <laughs> uh, Jesus dealt with these things uh, in regard to uh, unclean spirits, demonic spirits. In fact, I was doing some studying a while back, and I wrote these down. But, you know, in Acts chapter 10, uh, the Bible says that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And when Jesus healed a mute man, he spoke to a spirit of deafness. Uh, when he healed a, um, uh, a woman who was bowed over, he cast out a spirit of infirmity. Uh, he cast demons out of people. And he always, it seemed like every time he came across someone with some kind of seemingly physical issue, he addressed the spirit and cast the spirit out, and they were healed. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of these issues, if we see them as natural, if we see them as physical, if we see them as psychological, if we see addiction as, as just uh, being passed down from one person to another, if we see addiction as a disease, then we're not going to deal with it the way that we really need to deal with it in order to see true liberty and freedom in people's lives. Most of what's done nowadays is you just get a pill and it masks the problem and causes other problems, <laughs> you know. And so um, pastor has been teaching us, you know, all about these things and really shining a light on the source of a lot of the problems that people deal with today and uh, showing us the activity of demons, how they work, how to recognize certain spirits and things like that so that we can cast these things out of our lives. And in fact, you know, I shared with you last week that when I got saved, I was so demonized. I mean, it was supernatural, the depth of depravity in my life. It wasn't just natural, it was supernatural. 
I mean, I hated my life. I hated what I was doing, yet I couldn't quit. There was some force driving me and causing me to just continue to do things that were destructive in my life. You know, even the threat of going to prison wasn't enough to make me stop doing things, you know, that were just bringing death and destruction, not only to me, but the people around me. You know, and I was so demonized that when I got saved and I finally realized where a lot of this stuff was coming from, I dealt with those things and cast spirits out. You know, you can cast a spirit out of yourself if you understand how to do it. And I learned that early on is how to cast demons out of myself, and I did that and I dealt with it. And uh, casting out a demon, let me just say this, is only half of deliverance. Let's read this passage of Scripture. You'll see what I'm saying. Casting out a demon is only half of the deliverance because they're going to come back and try to get back in where they dwelt before. <laughs> so in uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, it says, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. Now, one thing I want to make a point here is that Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees. And when this says that the, this unclean spirit comes back, he finds this house empty, swept, and put in order. The word for order is cosmeo, and it means to be decorated on the outside. So what he's, do, he's talking about here is religious people who simply change things on the outside, but they haven't done anything to fill themselves on the inside. And because they're empty, things are swept, but they're unoccupied, then it makes a way for that unclean spirit to come and not only come back, but bring others. You know, in fact, if you're not, let me just say this, because there's more foe, there's another foe that we have to deal with other than a demonic spirit, and that's the flesh. You're going to have to do something about your flesh. You may get free from a demonic spirit, but if you don't do something about your flesh, that you're going to have issues with them again and probably worse than you had before. Because the flesh is the avenue that demons use to get access into the life of a believer. The flesh. And here's the thing about the flesh. You can't cast out the flesh. <laughs> you can't cast out the flesh. So you're going to have to do something about the flesh because as I said... The flesh is the avenue through which demons gain access to a person's life. So you're going to have to bring your flesh into subjection. And most people don't understand the process of how you go about doing that. Most people just try to, by their willpower change. And that's what religion is. It's just me changing on the outside behavior modification but they haven't actually put themselves in the God ordained process that causes change to happen from the inside out 
Listen, somebody else is going to have to occupy that space. Somebody else has to occupy that space. To be empty for a believer is a tragedy because in your spirit, the Holy Spirit has already taken up residence. The part I'm talking about is the, is the soul. Is the soul. And if you cast a demonic spirit out, but yet you don't feel that person, that person doesn't feel their themselves with the spirit of god the grace of god the knowledge of god the fear of the lord then he's empty and open and available for demonic spirits to come back and not and not just one but more to where that person ends up worse off than they were so i remember whenever those demons got cast out of my life and uh, luckily, I, have, I was so um, I was so at the end of my rope in my life <laughs> that I was desperate. And I think a lot of believers just haven't been desperate enough, you know, for freedom. Because here's the thing: a lot of people say, "Well, what are you willing to do to get what you want?" I, I got a better question for you: What are you not willing to do to get what you want? Because that's what happens is people realize, oh, man, I'm going to have to put some effort out here. And then they're like, but I'm not willing to give up this or this. And that gets in the way of what's most important. But I abandoned everything. I'm just telling you, I'm not bragging about it. I'm saying I was so desperate <laughs> for freedom. I was so at the end of my rope. My life was so destroyed that I didn't I was so far down that I had only, only one way to look and that was up I mean some of us are harder headed than others you know I mean I I had to uh, I had to get so far down before I actually was you know my pride was was beat down enough that I was able to humble myself and really you know cry out to the Lord and be willing to do whatever it took to continue in that freedom because that's the key is once you cast demons out you're going to have to now learn to walk in that freedom you're going to have to learn how to walk in the spirit of God because only the spirit of God can subdue the flesh and shut the doors on demonic activity in your life amen and so I learned uh, about you know, I started realizing that some of the ways that demonic spirits got access to me was through, of course, the drug addiction. But I, I just thought it was, you know, I, I didn't see it as demonic until afterward I realized how demonic it was. But, you know, sorcery in Galatians chapter 5, verse 20 is the word pharmakia in the Greek, which is where we get the word pharmaceutical. I'm telling you, there's a lot of even legal drugs. can give access to demons i know people who have got put in i don't even know why i'm talking about this but anyway i've known people who got you know had an issue got on pain pills and their whole life was destroyed by them and you said well it was a prescribed drug it still can be abused and can be an access point if the flesh is not in subjection to the spirit of god and so we have to fill 
our soul. We have to fill our heart with God, with the knowledge of God, with the fear of the Lord, with the Spirit of God, with the grace of God, the power of God, so that we're not empty and given access to demons back into our life. I'm just kind of trying to fill my way where I'm going now. <laughs> um, and so after that happened, you know, I was blessed enough that, you know, Rhonda's uncle was teaching Bible study, and we were going and learning so many things. And, you know, he really encouraged um, the continuing in the Word of God. You know, what Jesus said was that um, if you continue in my Word... Then you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So you may cast out a demon, but then you're going to have to get the truth and walk in truth in the light of your redemption if you're going to stay free. Because you're going to have to bring the, the flesh into subjection so that the flesh isn't opening doors and giving access to demonic spirits for them to be able to to come in and wreak all kinds of havoc in your life you know um the flesh manifests in a whole lot of different ways you know walking after the flesh uh, we can see the evidence of it you know in galatians chapter 5 it talks about the works of the flesh and you know i could start reading some of those adultery and fornication and stuff like that and you'd be going yeah yeah those are obviously those are going to open people up to demonic activity but how about jealousy envy how about covetousness you know it's these more subtle most christians you know they're thinking well i'm not going to go out and steal i'm not going to go out and kill anybody i'm not going to go commit adultery but listen if you hate someone in your heart Jesus said you've already committed murder in your heart and you're gonna it's these inward things you know it's unforgiveness that turns to bitterness that defiles people and gives demons access so what I'm saying is you're gonna have to be serious man you're gonna have to be serious about doing something about your flesh. And that's what I, I really have wanted to talk about. You know, of course, I wasn't going to preach, try to learn pastor's revelation on demons for sure. I didn't have enough time. But um, I, w I just want to talk about creating, um, cultivating an awareness of spiritual realities because that's what made me stay free. Okay? It was cultivating a walk in the Spirit uh, through my identity in Christ that really enabled me to walk free. Because listen, when you know who you are, your life is driven by your identity. People identify with, with other people in life and they begin to change to look like that person. Identity is your mental model. It's how you envision yourself. And you will act on that. You're going to live. In fact, your life, Proverbs 23 and 7 says this. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That means what I believe about myself, no matter what I say, it's what I truly believe about myself, is a self-fulfilling prophecy in my life. My life is 
And it hurts me, it pains me to say this, but my life is the way I believe it to be. <laughs> my life is the way that I believe it to be because I act that out. I walk that out in my life. And so if I want to see something different, it's not by me, by my will, just trying to do something different. No, I need to get in the process of taking the word putting it in my heart, meditating on it, and allowing the Holy Spirit to change the way I see myself so I begin to live out of a different image. So I'm getting ahead of myself. Hallelujah. So we talked last week in Romans chapter uh, 6, 7, and 8 about um, the two ways that people attempt to live for God. So I want to go to, I think I'll just go there to Romans chapter 6. Because I want to show you how not to do it first. Because this is the tendency of all people. Our default mode is to operate in the flesh. Listen, the life in the Spirit is by, the, by grace through faith, which before we were saved, we operated totally different from that. And this whole world system is based on works and based on performance if you don't believe it, just go, don't go to work next week. Call your boss and say, I want my paycheck based on grace. <laughs> and you'll find out real quick that this world is based on performance. But the problem is, is we carry that into our relationship with God. And the kingdom of God doesn't operate that way. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are, you are saved by grace through faith not of works, lest any man should boast. That's actually a formula for receiving from God. If you're going to receive from God, the only way you're going to tap into the blessings of God, the power of God, it's going to be by grace and through faith. Grace is what God did for you independent of you. In fact, get this, he didn't even ask your permission. He just did it. <laughs> in fact he did it before you were ever born it is what God did for us through the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus that's what grace is faith is when you hear what he's done and you respond to it positively in belief so by grace through faith but most people are trying to do stuff to get God to do something not you guys it's the people watching online they're the ones that that are needing to hear this <laughs> not you guys but so many believers think oh if i do this then god's going to do this and that's absolutely false in fact his works are finished <laughs> only from the finished works of jesus can you even have faith faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of Christ, by, by a rhema word, a revelatory word about what Jesus accomplished for you by grace. That's when faith comes. When I hear it, I believe it, I go, man, I believe that. Wow, I see that. I got a I'm seeing it in my life. Now I've got faith to act like I'm healed. Now I've got faith to speak out the same things God has said about me. Yeah. 
even in the midst of contradiction, even when there's no evidence yet. If I have faith, I'm going to say it, even if I don't see it. And when I begin to say it, even when I don't see it, then I'm going to begin to start seeing it operational in my life. The spirit of faith is that I believed and therefore I spoke. Amen, amen. But see, so many people, they, they operate opposite of that. They operate based on a performance-based relationship. You know what's wrong with that? I'm trying to put God in debt to me. <laughs> I'm trying to do something to where he's going to owe me something. See, that's arrogant. And it actually is a, it, sh it reveals our unbelief because it shows that I have not yet believed that he already did everything. And so in Romans chapter 6 and verse 14... Uh, he's talking about two manners of life, and we're going to see four scriptures over the next three chapters that reveal these two ways. These are two different ways that people attempt to live for God, and one's wrong. One will give you actually the opposite results. You know, and that's why you'll see believers who are going, you know, let's just take healing for an example. You know, I'm not receiving, I don't know why God's not healed me yet. I go to church every time the doors are open. I pay my tithes. <laughs> I do this. I don't do that. And you just told me why you haven't received your healing yet because you've told me everything you're doing. You haven't said anything about what Jesus did. <laughs> that shows me that you don't have a revelation of grace and faith, that you're trying to perform in order to get God to respond to you. And we can't do that. When we do that, we're going to get the opposite result. Because you know what you get when you operate like that? You get what you deserve. <laughs> you get what you deserve. But when you operate by grace through faith, you get what Jesus deserves. <laughs> Amen. I learned long ago that I don't deserve much. And I want a lot. <laughs> I don't deserve much, but I want it a lot. And when I found out that Jesus got it all for me already, I thought, well, I'll just get it through him. That's, <laughs> that's the best way. Because, listen, I grew, up, I grew up thinking that I had to perform to get God to do something for me. I, that's what, that was one of my big issues, is I didn't know how to properly relate to God. And so I thought that I had to do things. I had to qualify myself. Anybody ever been in that boat? You're trying to qualify yourself for something. You know, the Bible says that he qualified you to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. In light means in revelation, in understanding. That's how we partake. But he already qualified you for it. But if you're still trying to perform... It shows that you don't understand that you've already been freely given all things through him. And so in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, he says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. The opposite, you could say that, uh, reverse that, and it would say this. It would say, For sin shall have dominion over you, 
if you are under a law and not under grace. Oh, man. And you can take this word sin. Sin in the book of Romans, 49 times, 47 out of 49 times is a noun. It's not talking about an action. It's talking about sin, the nature of sin. And so when it says sin shall not have dominion over you, you could substitute that for sickness. You could substitute that for addiction. You could substitute that for disorders. So you could say, uh, sickness shall have dominion over you, for you are under the law and not under grace. Man, let me tell you something. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10 says that you who rely on law are under the curse. Man, I just said something that could rock and change your whole world if you could get a hold of it. You know, in Proverbs it says that the curse without a cause will not come. And in the New Testament, in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 10, I just quoted it, it says that the curse comes when a person lives under law. Man. Romans chapter 4, verse 15, says that the law works God's wrath. Did you realize that? The law was never given to make you free. The law was given to reveal to you that you're a slave to sin. It was given to show you your guilt, and it was given to condemn you so that you would quit trying to save yourself and you would throw yourself on the mercy and the grace of God presented and provided to you through Jesus Christ. And you would despair of ever trying to earn or qualify yourself for anything in the kingdom of God because it shows you you can never produce the righteousness of God by yourself. But if you don't live under grace, if you don't know how to live under grace, sin shall have dominion over you. Sickness will have dominion over you. Disease, addiction, fear, maladies of all kinds, disorders, these things will... And no wonder the body of Christ... Mm, no wonder the body of Christ has had so many of these things you know, just overwhelming the saints. But when we learn to operate under grace, sickness shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but you're under grace. <laughs> Addiction shall have no dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but you're under grace. <laughs> Fear shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but you're under grace. What's it mean to be under grace? What's it mean to be under grace? It means that I am living and operating by a power that I'm not producing. Mm. It means that I'm living from and energized by a power that's not coming from within myself. Look at Romans chapter 7 and verse 6. This is carrying on this same thought. 
It says, but now we've been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says this, the, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. See? How you're living for God is going to determine the results that you get. And many well-meaning people not understanding the proper way to relate to God and to walk out their sanctified life have operated under law rather than under grace. And they're going, why is all this happening to me? When I see that the Bible says that my reality should be different than what it is. Hmm. So we're to live, we're to serve God, but in the newness of the Spirit. What's that mean? It means that there is an energy, there is an ability that is working through me that I'm not producing myself. In fact, the law is not a faith. I just got through telling you that the only way, the formula for receiving from God is by grace through faith. Romans, or Galatians 3 and 12 says this, for the law is not of faith. You might want to write that one down. Check it out. For the law is not of faith. Well, if it's not of faith, what is it? It's of the flesh. If you are operating in law, you are automatically operating out of your flesh. Okay? So turn over to uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 2. Romans 8, 2, it says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Do you, I want to make sure that you're seeing it. Are you seeing the correlation between these scriptures? Law, grace, letter, spirit, the law of the Spirit of life, the law of sin and death. These are two different ways and two different results that you get when you're trying to live for God. Listen, the law of the spirit of the law of sin and death is still in operation in the world. Obviously. <laughs> but a believer has access to a law that supersedes the law of sin and death. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's kind of like, and I know you've probably heard this explained before, kind of like gravity and the law the law of gravity and the law of thermodynamics. The law of gravity doesn't cease to operate, but the law of thermodynamics supersedes the law of gravity. And that airplane that's filled with 100 people, huge airplane, is able to override the law of gravity and soar through the air. See, in our life, even though there's a law of sin and death that tries to pull us down to a lower level of living than what Jesus provided for us through his death, burial, and resurrection, through the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us and the grace of God, there is a law of the spirit of life that will cause you to supersede the law of sin and death and cause you to live on a level that's way higher than what the rest of the world is experiencing. But listen, laws work a certain way, and you cannot, they don't bend. They don't, you have to know how to cooperate with laws. It's kind of like the law of, um, of uh, gravity, you know. It is a blessing. 
because it holds us to this planet. But if you don't cooperate with it, it can kill you. <laughs> kind of like the law of electricity. We got cool air in here. We got lights. You know, we got all these uh, things that the law of electricity provides for us because we know how to cooperate with it. But listen, if you don't know how to cooperate with it and you do electrician work the way Bob does, they... <laughs> <laughs> he said that's where his hair went. <laughs> no, I think your, your hair just raptured early. You just got to, got to heaven before the rest of you. <laughs> no, but listen, if you don't know, what I'm saying is if you don't know how to cooperate with the law of electricity, it can kill you. Listen, there's a law of sin and death. It'll kill you. There's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that can be a great blessing to you if you learn how to operate in it. Amen. So let's look at uh, Romans 8, 5. So we're still there in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 and 5, it says this. It says, for those who live according to the flesh I like the King James better because it just really I can see better what he's saying it says for those who are after the flesh for those who are after the flesh set their minds on the flesh those who are after the spirit the things of the spirit see how that those who are after the flesh means those who are living after the the energy of the flesh. They're, they're living their life by the energy of what's in their flesh. And listen, your flesh is fallen. Your flesh can never produce fruit unto holiness. Your fresh flesh can never produce liberty from sin. Your flesh can never produce freedom from sickness and disease and addiction. Listen, I fought with all of my might from my flesh to overcome addiction, and I could never overcome it. Listen, you want to know how strong the power of this demonic stuff was in my life? I went to rehab class for two years for drugs, and I stayed clean the whole time. You know why? They gave me a UA every time I went in there. And I didn't want to go back and stay in jail. So I stayed clean. I'm not saying that I did it. I didn't cheat on it every day. <laughs> when you're into criminal activity, you figure out ways to do all kinds of stuff. But regardless, there was a little time at the beginning where I but eventually I stayed clean for almost two years. Amen. And so at the end of that, they said, uh, well, we have what's called a relapse prevention program. So what that means is according to how well you've done through the program, you may come back once a week, once every two weeks, or once a month. So I'm thinking, oh, and so they said, I said, well, when do I need to come back? I'm done with my program. They said, well, let us, let us check it out. So they came back. They said, just once a month, once a month. I'm like, oh, boy, <laughs> I'm in trouble now. So the next day I used drugs again. See, there, nothing changed on the inside. 
the flesh was so strong that the moment there was an opening. So those who are after the flesh, they can't please God. There's no way I can live for God out of my flesh. My flesh is fallen. And even as a believer, once you're born again, one-third of you is all God. <laughs> your spirit, in your spirit, you've become one with Jesus Christ. In your spirit, you're all God, but there's two-thirds two more of you that is not. Your, bo your body is, is fallen, Thank God we have a promise we're going to get a new one. But your mind, remember, I don't know if you remember when I was teaching in Romans earlier this year, you, have, you still have sin in your members, and you have sin in your memories. And boy, memories can be strong. You have sinful attitudes. Surely none of y'all have any attitudes. <laughs> so see, there's still this struggle and those who are after the flesh the reason they walk after the flesh this is what it's saying is because their mind is set on the flesh and really you can take this and you can show that this is what the Lord showed me in my studies is that what causes a believer to set their mind on the flesh is law Nothing so sets a person's mind on their flesh than law does. Because if you're attempting to live for God by performance, your whole focus is on your flesh. Because you're going to be wrestling it all the time. <laughs> and you're going to be measuring yourself by it. And you're going to be evaluating yourself by it. You're going to be evaluating how successful you are at living for God by your flesh all the time. In fact, your mind is going to be so set on the flesh that it blinds you to all the spiritual realities of who you are in Christ. So it says those who are after the flesh have set their mind on the flesh, but those who are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death. Listen, that doesn't just say it leads you toward death. Carnal-mindedness is death. So what is the carnal mind? The carnal mind is a mind that's dominated by sense knowledge and devoid of the knowledge of things in the Spirit. But the mind, or the spiritual mind, let me read this again, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do you see what I'm trying to show you tonight? Is that you can get a demon cast out of your life, but unless you develop a spiritual mind, you are going to walk after the flesh, and you are going to be opening all kinds of doors up for the demonic spirits to come back in and begin to work in your life once again. Because you can't walk in the spirit. You can't live a spiritual life with a carnal mind. 
So see, the process is the process of renewing our mind to where we're tapping into grace and we're tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit and we're living out of a power that we're not producing ourselves, but we're receiving it and we're living out of it by grace through faith. Hallelujah. So we have to deal with with becoming spiritually minded. And I'll just say this. This is where believers fall short. They're just not... Because listen, it takes effort. It takes effort. It's not easy like sitting down in front of the TV and turning on, grabbing the remote and just amusing yourself with television, which I've done. It doesn't come through Netflix binging. In fact, you just reversed a whole lot of your work. <laughs> you just reversed a whole lot of your work. But this is where, you know, people miss it, is that we don't spend the time, and I think we also don't spend the time really accurately hitting the mark on what we're supposed to be meditating on. You know, um, Brother Hagen had a message called In Him. And I really, from my study and my uh, meditation on the New Testament, I'm just going to say I don't know if everybody believes this, but I believe that your identity is the most important aspect of mind renewal. And Brother Hagen talked about uh, the In Him revelation. And so let me share with you a couple things that are in his book. Um, let's see here. Listen to this. This is what he says in, in his book, In Him. People often ask me about studying the Bible. Although I have many suggestions, here's the one I present above all others everywhere I go. Think about that. Brother Hagen said this is, when people ask him about studying the Bible, this is, the, this is what he tells them everywhere he goes above any other idea. He said, as a Christian, as a believer, read through the New Testament, primarily the epistles. The epistles, you see, are the letters written to you, the believer. They are written to the church. And as you read, look for all expressions such as in Christ, in him, in whom, and through him. These reveal to us our identity through our union with Jesus. They reveal to us um, who we truly are. Who you are is not who I'm looking at. You're a spirit being. I'm seeing your body, and when you say amen, I'm hearing the psychological part of you, soul part, but I am not seeing the real you. The real you is the spirit. He is the un, he's the hidden man of the heart, as Peter put it. It's the unseen part of you. That's the real you. That's the part that matters. That's the part you're going to have to get acquainted with. That's the part of you that will define your identity and cause you to live on a level that's higher than this natural and physical existence. That was the revelation I got when I stood up and I said, I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. This is not who I am. I discovered another reality. 
that was right here all along. I discovered a gateway of God. <laughs> I discovered a gateway of heaven. Man, I don't know if you remember Jacob's ladder. You remember the story about Jacob? He falls asleep. He has a vision. He sees a ladder from heaven to earth, angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And when he wakes up the next morning, he said something very profound. He said, this is the gate of heaven, and I didn't even realize it. <laughs> Why? Because only through revelation can you understand spiritual realities. You can be blinded to it. <laughs> and the devil will lie to you and cause you to live out of a fallen identity. And you will live out of a fallen version of yourself if you don't get a revelation and understand who you truly are in Christ. The devil will cause you to live out of a fallen identity. In fact, a whole lot of what we see, a lot of, the, a lot of changes and things that people do to their bodies and stuff, you know what that is? It's worshiping a distorted image of who you are. It's worshiping a distorted image of yourself. I'll just say it again. That's what it is. It's having an image that you have seen, that you identify with, that you worship, but it's not actually who you truly are. Gosh. I don't know if I'm communicating that clearly, but... It's identifying with something that isn't Jesus and living out of a fallen identity that is actually not who you are. Listen, being a believer is about discovery. If we would get to discovery, we would be so excited. Because <laughs> who doesn't love to discover stuff? Amen. I tell you, whenever I started to discover that that I was the righteousness of God, I'm still not over it. I'm telling you, I've been a Christian for 18 years, and that just blows me away, that Jesus is my righteousness. That when God looks at me, I am, this, I am just as righteous as Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus is my righteousness. <laughs> And you know what that means? It means I have the same access to God that Jesus has. It means that I have the same access to God's goods that Jesus has. <laughs> because I discovered that, that I am the righteousness of God in him, that he is my reality. Now listen, he says, now when you find these scriptures, write them down, then meditate on them, confess them. Say them with your mouth. This is who I am. This is what I am. And this is what I have in Christ. Those should be, that should be our daily. You know, Christianity is called the great confession. Because it's declaring things that are true about you. But aren't manifest in the flesh, in the natural realm yet. But if you believe them, you're going to say them with conviction. That's the spirit of faith. I believe, therefore I spoke. And I tell you what, when I started first saying these things about myself, it took a lot of faith. Because <laughs> it was opposite of what I had experienced. So this is what he says. He says, the inward man, the real man, is a new creation. 
He takes on the very life and nature of God. Think about that. If you just go, oh, yeah, I know that, you have not heard that. I'm telling you, if you go, well, what he's saying, I've, I've heard that. That's elementary. Then you haven't heard it. Because I'm telling you, if you thought about this for a second, that the real man is a new creation who has taken on the very life and nature of God. <laughs> he says, hold fast to your confession that you're a new creature. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that was the scripture that broke addiction off my life. It revealed to me a different identity. He says, then the new man on the inside will be manifested on the outside. Learn to let this new man on the inside dominate the outward man. And listen to this. One last thing I want to read out of here. This is what Jesus did. Did you know that Jesus constantly talked about who he was? I'm the gate. <laughs> I'm the light. Jesus declared out of his mouth who he was, what he had, and what his mission was in life. And listen, he got it. Here's the key that I want you to see. Jesus didn't know it because he was God. He got it out of the Scripture he discovered who he was in the word of God. And if you're going to walk and live like Jesus did, you're going to have to discover who you are in the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Is this helping anybody? Thank you, Jesus. Check this out. So we, most of us, know 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I could probably go around. Most all of y'all could quote it. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Back up a verse. Look at what this says. In chapter 5, verse 16, it says, From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. You know, the word regard here, it means to evaluate, to perceive, or to form an opinion of. So what it's saying here is Paul's saying because... Anyone who believes in Jesus is a new creation. He said, I don't regard, I don't perceive, I don't evaluate or form my opinion of a person based on their flesh. Boy, wouldn't that change how you treat other believers? Oh, my goodness. If we discovered the treasure that's on the inside of other people and what is that treasure Christ then we would probably treat other people within the body of Christ a lot different than what we do we would see a value within them that is beyond what we see on the outside in the flesh and so it's easy to see that he's talking about that he didn't regard other people 
according to the flesh. He didn't form his opinions. Uh, he wouldn't form his opinion of Johnny on who he saw in the flesh because he would know by revelation that there's something so much greater on the inside. And we think about that with other people. But when I was studying this one time, the Lord said me, said to me, he said, you are not to regard anyone according to the flesh, especially you. <laughs> oh, man, because listen, I can regard someone else, not, not regard them according to the flesh, and still be evaluating and forming my opinions of me based on the flesh and be locked into a carnal mind and a natural and fleshly and normal existence. To be a carnal man, Paul said, is just to live like mere men. Well, you're not a mere man. You're a man filled with the very life and power and presence and nature of Almighty God. We just... <laughs> but listen, if you're evaluating yourself and forming your opinion of yourself and regarding yourself and perceiving yourself based on who you are in the flesh, you're missing the reality of who you truly are in Christ Jesus. You're limiting yourself. <laughs> In fact, you know, when Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration, the glory of God that was within him began to emanate out of him. Did you know that same glory is on the inside of you? In John chapter 17, Jesus was praying to the Father. He said, Father, the glory you've given me, I've given to them. The very glory of God Almighty, the manifest presence of God, his, not, his life, His nature is on the inside of you. <laughs> and you can be so blinded to it that you just walk around and live like a mere man. Yeah, I mean, we've had some songs. That, you know, there's an old song, I'm only human, I'm just a man. That kind of a song will kill you. <laughs> If that's a song you like, I, I apologize now. I'm sorry, but I'm just saying, I'm not only human. You're not only human. There's a part of you that is all God. In fact, in the next verse, he says, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things passed away. And how many things? All things have become new. And my favorite part's the next line. And all things are of God. So all the new things about who you are now are of God. <laughs> Problem is, is that we continue on evaluating ourselves because we're blinded to the realities of who we are spiritually through the word of God that the devil's able to lie to us and cause us to have a fallen identity, a distorted image of who we are, and we live that out. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, it says, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. There was a time when, the, like the disciples, they only knew Jesus according to the flesh. You know, and Isaiah said that there was nothing about his physical appearance that caused people to be drawn to him. I mean, regardless of what paintings have shown, he didn't walk around with a light around his head. 
He was a normal-looking person. And they knew him according to the flesh. Listen, this is, this is amazing. So after he was raised from the dead, he was walking on the road to Emmaus, and he came along two of his disciples, and they didn't even recognize him. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they didn't even recognize him anymore. In resurrection, what he was on the inside was beginning to show on the outside. He was changed. And then whenever he was glorified, uh, ascended back to heaven, uh, John saw him when he was on the Isle of Patmos, and it was a whole different picture then, so much so that he fell down like a dead man. Listen, the same Christ that he saw is on the inside of you. My goodness. Man, that is amazing. Think about that. You know, John didn't say, as Jesus was, so are you in this world. <laughs> he didn't say, as Jesus was. He said, as he is. Oh, my goodness. So are we in this world. How is he? Ascended, seated, far above all principality and power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He was given a name that's above all names in every realm, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. As he is, so are you. But if you don't see, it says they knew him according to the flesh, but no longer. So how do we know him now? How do we know Jesus now? We know him by the Spirit through the Word, right? That's how we know him now. I never saw him physically. I don't know about you guys, but I never saw him physically. So I know him by the Spirit, by revelation, through the Word of God. So how are you supposed to evaluate yourself? By the Spirit, through the Word of God. That's how you're going to discover who you truly are. That's how you're going to cultivate an awareness of your identity in Christ Jesus and be able to live by the law of the Spirit of life, which is so much higher than the law of sin and death. You can no longer uh, form your opinion of yourself based on knowing yourself according to the flesh so this word regard it's the word i do in the greek and i just want to read you this what i saw in the helps uh, bible helps it says i do means to perceive it's a seeing that becomes a knowing okay and it says it is a gateway to grasp spiritual realities So when he says we don't regard according to the flesh, we are to perceive based on spiritual realities. Unless you start seeing yourself the way that you truly are, you're not going to be able to operate by the power of the Holy Spirit. God anoints the real you. To... 
and I didn't want to, I don't want to say this. Too many believers are the great pretenders. We're trying to be something because we really don't know who we are. We're not living out of revelation. We're being religious. We try to act a certain way around Christians. Because <laughs> once you've been around the culture long enough, you know what to say, you know how to act. But come on, there's nothing more exhausting than trying to live out something in your flesh that you really don't even believe about yourself. <laughs> how about really getting a revelation and living out of an identity that allows you to live that life in joy and in peace? Because the Spirit of God is the one empowering it, not your flesh. Hallelujah. See, if we're going to walk in the... If we don't want to fulfill the lust of flesh, we have to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm telling you that um, to do what God is calling the church to do in the hour that's coming is going to require it's going to require operating by the power of the Holy Spirit just operating trying to live for God out of the flesh is not going to get it done especially in a time that's coming when there's so much opposition so much intimidation there's so much trying to cause us to to be a certain thing or to choose certain things based on what the world wants the church to be. And if we're not, if we're not founded in who we truly are in Jesus, we're going to be pushed. We're going to be pulled. We're going to be intimidated into making choices and doing things that we don't actually want to do in our heart, but because we're not operating by the power of God. Amen. But I'm here to tell you that the same Holy Ghost that worked through Jesus, the same Holy Ghost that worked through the church in the book of Acts, when they brought the sick and laid them in the street so that Peter's shadow passing by might come across them and cause lame to walk, cause the blind to see, cause the deaf to hear, cause people to pass from death unto life, cause people to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues, cause people to lay down their addictions, cause people to lay down their fears, cause people to rise up in boldness and courage in the face of a world that is that is against that is against we're not going to be able to do it in the flesh we're not going to be able to do it in the flesh but man there's a power <laughs> there is a power on the inside of you that is so much greater greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world amen hallelujah father we just give you praise I just thank you father God for the power of the Holy Spirit and I just uh, speak over your people tonight, Father God, that we would be freed from the chains and the bondages 
of the flesh and that we would live under grace, that we would live by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would allow your word to renew us in the spirit of our mind to cause us to perceive spiritual realities and live out of the truth of who we are in Christ, that we have been raised up, that we died. Our old man was put to death. We were resurrected with Jesus and raised up and seated at your right hand, Father God, far above all principality and power. And that sin shall not have dominion over us. Sickness shall not have dominion over us. Addiction and disorders and disease and fear will not have dominion over the people of God. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, listen, there'll be some people up here. If you want prayer, you want someone to agree with you tonight, um, there's going to be people up here that would love to minister to you tonight. I pray that, that that gave you some revelation that you can take, that you can apply to your life so that you can begin to experience the joy of your salvation. Listen, how do you know when someone's operating in the flesh? The love's gone. The joy's gone. The peace is gone. But man, when you're living by grace and living by the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is evident in love and in joy and in peace. It's not something put on. It's something that's coming out of who you are, coming out of your spirit. Amen. It's not just... It's not these counterfeits. The world has a counterfeit. There is a counterfeit love. There is a counterfeit happiness. There is a counterfeit peace, but there is also a love of God. There is also a joy in the Holy Spirit. And there is also a peace of God that passes all understanding. And that's what I want. I don't want the counterfeit. I want the real deal. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you. Remember, there'll be ministers up here if you need anything. And uh, don't forget, be here Sunday morning at 9 and 11. And get ready for a RISE conference. It's less than two weeks away. Amen. God bless you.